bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football Monday, a meeting Monday here on Birds 365. We appreciate you meeting with us, Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, as the uh, 32 owners meet out in Arizona this week. Another off-season week with moves and signings and uh, build-up to the NFL draft. Uh, we'll try and keep you informed over the next uh, couple hours with a couple good guests coming your way. Johnny Mac, uh, when you and I wrapped it up on Friday, we thought there was a possibility Eagles would make a signing over the weekend. They did. Terrell Edmonds, solid starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last five years, has played a lot of games and uh, has been part of some pretty good defenses in Pittsburgh. Comes here on a relatively inexpensive are you almost getting tired of saying that? Relatively inexpensive. That's what Harry Roseman is doing these days, signing for the Eagles as a potential starting safety. What was the first thing that popped in your mind when you uh, realized Terrell Edmonds now a Philadelphia Eagle? My first thing was, what the heck is going on with Terrell Edmonds? And yeah, I'd like to crowdsource this because, I mean, this is, as you mentioned, this is a pretty good player. He's still young. Um was a first round pick so he's got the pedigree now he wasn't supposed to be he was kind of a reach that year but people forget that tends to drop off into the ether um has started has been durable on very good defenses and he can't make any money i i i you know you said relatively inexpensive i'm gonna take off relatively so when you talk about Rashad let, Penny, let, let me explain explain my relatively then if you've got an issue with it. The other Eagle defensive signings this offseason have basically been for the veteran minimum. He is above and beyond that. Almost double that if the reports are accurate that it's two million uh mostly guaranteed incentives for a little bit more. So in comparison to the other Philadelphia Eagles signings this offseason, that's where I come up with relatively in it. Well, uh, what I was about to say is I get the contracts for Rashad Penny and Greedy Williams and, and Justin Evans and Nicholas Morrow. I get those contracts. I mean, that's, that was expected for those players. 
with this particular player, I don't know. I don't know from two angles, Jody. I don't get why he's so cheap, and I don't get why he's here uh, because he is a traditional box strong safety. That's all he does. That's what he does. He can't play cover two. He can't play center field. And, you know, on one hand, I think this could be a positive when we talk about Sean Desai moving forward, because by definition, if you are playing a free safety and a strong safety, you are not playing the same defense that they played over the first two, uh, over the two years of Nick Sirianni with Jonathan Gannon, the Vic Fangio defense, blah, blah, blah. You are not playing that defense. The whole point of that defense is to play the safeties uh, back to to disguise everything from a coverage standpoint till post snap. And if you're if 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 you're putting a free safety and a strong safety on the field, you're alerting the quarterback pre snap a lot of information. Um, now that could be good. That could be good from my aspect because I want to get the heck away from this scheme. Um, so if that shows some open-mindedness on, on the Eagles' part about shifting away, I think that's a positive. Or it could be just, hey, we're at where we're we're at, and this is the best player available, and you got to utilize it until you get somebody else who can play what we want to play. Could be one of the two. I don't know which one. More, more likely, the latter. But yeah, I can't figure. I can't figure why this guy isn't making any money. And there's got to be something. And he's a good guy. Already met him virtually, but already met him. No ego whatsoever. We talked about the previous safety. I mean, just no ego. Very well-grounded, very polite, very um, – I don't get it. I don't get it at all why this guy at 26 years old – this is the this is the people who get paid in free agency, and so that scares me a little bit. To be blunt, like why are thirty one other teams a lot of them better fits for his particular uh, skill set? Why aren't they willing? That that part concerns me a little bit. I have to admit that. Question: Better fits on other teams. I get that, but of those teams that you would say their overall defensive scheme and his abilities seem to be a better fit. How many of them actually have a need for a safety? The the Eagles well, lost I'd have to break it down. this year. Yeah, that, that that that's I think the point you got to take into consideration. Um, the Eagles were the only team in the NFL that lost quote unquote both of its starting safeties via free agency, so they have a need, a hole to fill. Even though there are other teams that may play a defensive system that seems to fit Terrell Edmonds a little bit better, they they might not have what they perceive as a need for safety because they've got both of their safeties in place. Uh, some of them, I would guess, could upgrade with a signing of a guy like yeah, Edmund, well, believe it or not, at only $2 million, point. so maybe they should have, but they might be good enough and say, all right, we're, we're, we're not adding to that position because we're already good at that position. Well, you know, I, uh, hey, you know, not that PFF, again, is the be-all, end-all, but they graded him at number 36. Uh, so let's do the math. There's... 64 starting safeties. So if you're 36, you're a high level number two in this league. You're you're one of the best 
so-called safety twos in this league. Right. Now they had Mika Fitzpatrick, who's one of the best safeties uh, overall in football. There's a lot of context that goes into it. Maybe playing Mika Fitzpatrick, who is a true star, who might be the best safety in football. He's in the conversation, at least. Mm -hmm. Maybe that helped him. Maybe that elevated him a little bit. Uh, Maybe he's really not that good. But that's a hell of a lot better than uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was graded. Uh, It's a hell of a lot better than Marcus Epps was graded. Um, This one, I, I don't understand. And I've been mulling it for a while. I I do not understand because, you know, again, he's, he's durable. He's got tremendous starting experience and not only just starting experience on, on generally a pretty good defense, sometimes really good. Yeah. I mean, this to be on paper, at least, is a tremendous value pick, but I am a little bit, but I, I got a, you know, I got a little bit of concern because contracts tell you a lot. They do. Now, NFL teams don't always get it right. Right. But they tell you a lot and they tell you what they think of the same thing I said about CJ. It tells you a lot. It's not just the Eagles. It's 31 other teams. So that's what I'm, and and I texted a few people and I did, you know, my one Eagles guy said the same thing I did because he's the one who gives me all the information about the scheme and all the philosophy. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Not a fit. I, 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 there, there's, so there's two angles. I, I haven't completely figured out to be honest. Here's the reason why I like the signing and you, you sort of touched on it and I'll go even further. Um, even though you're looking at two Jonathan Gannon fans right here, J-Mac and I are both there on record as saying that we, we thought Jonathan Gannon did a heck of a job over the two years here before he upped and left for Arizona. One of my knocks on Jonathan Gannon was, and will continue to be, I don't think it, it will be as easily seen or detected now that he's a head coach, but don't kid yourself, you'll see some of it, is that he was pretty damn rigid. That his theme, his scheme, his way of doing things was the way that they were going to do it. And he didn't show a whole hell of a lot of flexibility. That they had guys in assignments doing things, expected, playing and play out. And that's exactly it. Do your job. And we're not going to ask you to do anything more. We don't want you to do anything more. Just do your job. Here's how we lay it out for you on paper. And we want you to execute it when you're on the field. Which, in theory, is, is perfectly fine. But then plays happen and things happen and teams do other things and you have to be able to adjust. And I believe that Jonathan Gannon was just a little bit too rigid, that his scheme, his way of doing things had to be the only way that you could stop a team on a given play. No, I like teams with flexibility. And it's funny because they like certain flexibilities. They like safeties who can also drop down and play uh, slot coverage. So they, they do acknowledge flexibility is a good thing, but flexibility between being able to just cover and being a box safety and go down and also tackle and every once in a while, maybe on a given play, hide him as a potential blitzer. Oh, we don't need that flexibility. But oh, you if you can be a safety and be a slot corner too, oh, we love that flexibility. The Eagles defense under Gannon didn't incorporate enough flexibility. And maybe... Just maybe, as you uh, said earlier, 
Maybe two on the side is going to be a little different. Maybe he's going to take someone and go, listen, here's a player. Here's what we can do. Here's what we think he'll be good at. Here's where we think he can help us. And maybe we'll tailor some things to cover up what he's not great at. But we've got him on the field to do the other things. I like that. I, I, I'm buoyed by that. I think that's a good thing if that's what the Eagles are showing. You know, last week or maybe it was a week before, uh, I told you I think the Eagles missed out because uh, they didn't get involved in the bidding for Chuck Clark, the safety who I like from the Ravens, who I was talking up to come to the Eagles before they ever traded for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. When they needed a safety last offseason, I said, Baltimore's got three starting safeties. They don't need three starting safeties. Why don't you trade for a Chuck Clark? And I thought it was going to be more of a price tag than a seventh-round pick, which they got from the Jets. He was a guy who I liked, and he was traded this offseason. And you told me, oh, yeah, but they're not going to get Chuck Clark because he doesn't fit. He's a box safety. He's not the kind of safety that the Eagles want. Well, the Eagles just showed you that they are willing to maybe broaden their horizons on the type of players that they get by signing a guy like Edmonds, and they could have traded for a guy like Clark. Well, a couple things. One, we'll we'll go back to Gannon. I, I, I do think this is more like year one in Gannon. There are a lot of people that didn't even know Gannon was trying to play the Fangio defense in, in year one. A lot of people. Um because he did, he had Gennard Avery. He didn't have Hassan Reddick. So he played much more, right off the bat, much more uh, 40 fronts, much more four-man fronts than five-man fronts because Gennard Avery wasn't good enough. Um, simple as that. They also didn't have uh, what they wanted at, at cornerback, obviously, with Bradbury. So a lot of people think they shifted defenses from year one to year two. They didn't. They just played it more in year two because they found players to fit it. So, you know, I think when 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 it's the same as offense, right? I mean, just because you want to play eleven personnel, that that's pretty much the basic set in the NFL now. Eleven personnel doesn't mean you're an eleven personnel every play. When we say that the, the Eagles use the Fangio philosophy, they're not in it every play. They're in it 70, 75%, the vast majority of the time. Um, so that that was always built in. I mean, Gannon wasn't in, the, in it 100% of the time. He certainly wasn't in year one. It was less than 75%. But, but you you know, if you're going to play something 75% of the time, you better damn well have the players to play that 75% of the time. So it indicates to me they're going back to the year one play. All right, we don't have this player, so we have to play a little bit differently. And it's probably, it's it's not going to be as good um, from the plot. Now, if Sean decide learns something in Seattle and says, you know what? I'm I'm on board with McMullen. Too many people are playing this damn defense. We got to shift. We got to evolve. We can't play this anymore. People are figuring this out, whether it's cover two, cover three. Now, I think that's really positive. Do I think that's what's going on? No, probably not, uh, to be honest. Uh, th- this is about, well, what, what what we do know, the whole theme of the offseason and and Terrell's included this, but he's he's a better player than the four other guys that have played, that have signed. Well, you could argue Rashad Penny if he's on the field is a good player, but that's that's a big if. 
Um, The biggest part is they need room to sign Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's the biggest part of it. That, 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 so all of this kind of factors in, but it was interesting. It was an interesting signing from all those things that I mentioned. Um, ultimately, I think they got the best safety. You put that safety, like, like I said, it, it to me, this is one of my pet peeves. You know, this by now, Jody. And I saw it again this morning. I pick up on Twitter, it, it bothers me, it shouldn't bother me. But somebody is somebody was was running down the Eagles lineup. And they put starting edge rushers, Brandon Graham and Josh Wett, and they put starting linebackers, Nicobe Dean, Nicholas Morrow, and Hassan Reddick. Right. It drives me insane to the point I want to smack the desk like Nick Sirianni. It drives me flipping insane. It's a different position. They say defensive tackle. Well, you got Milton Williams and Jordan Davis. Yeah, they're both defensive tackles, but they play different positions. They play different positions. Strong safety and what the Eagles did with C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Marcus Epps is a different position. It might not be a bad thing. There's a lot of reasons it could be a good thing. But if they want to play the Fangio philosophy, in fact, it, it goes to this point, Jody. In that defense, they do not even designate. They say right safety and left safety. Right. They don't have and strong they, and free. Yes. And they designate it for a reason. It it doesn't exist in that defense. Now, I think it could be a great thing that they're moving away from that defense. But anyway, that's my pet peeve. Understood about the defensive line and the strong and free. The Eagles didn't play with a strong safety this year. In the Fangio defense that they ran, they basically played with two free safeties. This upcoming year, you would certainly describe Terrell Edmonds as more of a strong safety. Is he going to be asked to do some free safety type things in this defense? Yeah, I do. I think so. Uh, So he's going to have to expand his game. But maybe the Eagle responsibilities will change as well, which I think is a good thing. Uh, Like I said, I think that one of Gannon's shortcomings was that he was as rigid as he was, that it was all about the system and we expected to do this. And if you can't do this, you're not going to be able to play in our system. Well, maybe sometimes the system needs to fit around the player. Uh, and uh, we don't know. We won't know until they get out there on the field and start making plays and see where guys are positioned, what they're asked to do as to whether there will be more flexibility to the Eagle defense coming up this year. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. we got two good Eagle beat guests coming your way today. Joining us in a mere matter of moments is BLG, Brennan Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation. Our number two, our pal Jeff Mosher is going to jump in and uh, give us his insights. Uh, tough week to get Eagle guys. We got these two before uh, a bunch of guys heading out to the owners meetings in Arizona this week. There's a couple things I want to hit on with John and we'll certainly run by BLG when he joins us. Brendan Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. 
go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. They get together. Max, Max. And if there's any reason to hit that like button, it better be Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation joining us. Look at that happy, smiling face. How can you not like that? Go ahead, hit that like button right now. BLG, how you be? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Uh, doing well, Brandon, except I can't figure out why i i can figure out as i was telling jody in our opening segment uh, look i get the contracts for rashad penny and justin evans and nicholas morrow and and greedy williams terrell edmonds man he's 26 starts for a really good defense at times for five years um that's the guy typically you want to pay in free agency he's got a pretty good pff grade what the heck are we missing? Why is this guy not making any money? <laughs> it's actually less than he, he would have made, you know, last year with the Steelers yeah. win. Um, you know, in theory, he had less leverage at the time because he was out there on the market until basically like right before the draft. And the Steelers were like, okay, even though we declined your fifth year option, um, we'll bring you back because we couldn't find something better we liked. And uh, based on the sense that I got from reading some things, uh, in terms of Steelers coverage, they thought he would be back this this year on another kind of one year deal. Um, 
and, and navigate through that again. Uh, but he's not. So I think it was a little bit of a surprise that he uh, ended up going to Philadelphia instead. Um, you know, I, I think he's a solid player. And again, you look at the age and that's, that's nice. Um, he, he clearly hasn't stood out in a way of making plays and you would think teams put value on that. Um, so, so I guess that's the kind of the knock against him. All right. Uh, do you think that perchance one of the reasons why he's here in Philadelphia now is he thinks the Steelers squeezed him, had a chance to pick up the 50 options passed, brought him back. But like you said, later into free agency, didn't get a great deal last year, only two million and change. So he said, well, if they come at me with that same two million, screw them. I'm going somewhere else. They, they, I know they drafted me, but they haven't really taken care of me over five years. So let me take the next best available offer, which may very well have been the Philadelphia Eagles. But again, back to Johnny's question, is safety so devalued? We talk so much about running back being devalued in the National Football League. Is safety there too? Did we all overestimate how much safeties would, should, could get paid? Like a Chauncey Gardner who we thought was going to be over $10 million and settled for six and change and incentives that takes it to eight? Has mm -hmm. the NFL just uh, gotten into a mode where safeties are safeties are safeties and we're not paying for them? <clears throat> and some of the incentives in that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson contract where it's not even up to him. It's up to like, team success of the past yeah, defense yeah. ranks 16th or higher, which is, I think, just a really bad contract, honestly. I mean, that's not even in his control uh, to some extent. Um, yeah, I think it's clear other than Jesse Bates, who got paid top of the market money. One guy, right, exactly. Yeah. Yep, just the one guy, top of the market money, okay, but after that, no, wasn't the, the safety market was not there. I think there's multiple uh, reasons why that's true. Um, I think part of it's just that there's still talent out there. Um, you know, there's a surplus of talent. Yeah, it's uh, pretty deep at the position uh, uh, yeah, overall like John, and free agent. John yeah. Johnson's still out there. You know, he was a good, uh, he was a top of the market player a couple of years yeah. ago. I know maybe he didn't quite work out with the Browns exactly how uh, they wanted to, but he wasn't, I don't think, an awful player by any means. I think yeah. it's, you know, a buyer's market at that position. Um, this will be near and dear to Jody's heart because I'm going to bring up his favorite player. Um, and, and by the way, when I'm talking about Terrell Edmonds, Terrell Edmonds, I'm not talking about eight million. I'm talking like four or five million dollars. I'm saying as a five year starter, 26. Is there some Derek Barnett type mm. stuff going on in Pittsburgh? Because when you're a first round pick, and he shouldn't have been, he was overdrafted, according to most people, but. You know, you're when you're labeled a first round pick, you're a first round pick forever. And expectations are you're going to play a first round pick. You're going to play like a first round pick. And as you mentioned, BLG is not a splash player guy. So that's the difference between him and CJ. It's just sound pretty much from what I read. Consistent, but no splash plays. You think that factors into it? Yeah, I mean, Chauncey Garner-Johnson had six interceptions last year, led the NFL. Uh, Terrell Edmonds has He's got five in five, five years. In, yeah. in 75 games, uh, started 79, played total, and then doesn't have a career forced fumble. Again, like that's not really what you want to see. I think I think those numbers are kind of important to look at. It might seem like oversimplifying, but for like safeties and linebackers, you want to see big plays made, um, and you're not really getting that so much out of him. That's not what it's all about, I think, or the only thing it has to be about. I think you can have a solid player, a guy who can come in and be a reasonable starter. Um, I mean, look at Marcus Epps. Marcus Epps last year 
did not have an interception, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was not necessarily a splash player as much as I would say kind of a good run defender. Um, yeah, he didn't have an interception, and he only had six passes defense. He did have a forced fumble. Um, but certainly that was not his calling card last year as much as maybe his tackling and his run defense. So I think that's kind of what the Eagles got here. They got a Marcus Epps replacement uh, in Terrell Edmonds. It's not someone who you're expecting to make the Pro Bowl, but he can be a solid starter. I mean, you know, to to – Speak to your Derek Barnett point, John. I think that's absolutely right. Although the one thing that differentiates them is that Derek Barnett hasn't been able to stay healthy, and Edmonds has barely yeah. missed any time at all. Right. They're uh, in their actual ability to stay on the field. Kind of key to be a football player. you got to be on the field. Um, Edmonds certainly has been better than Derek Barnett. All right. I saw this laid out this way, and it kind of jumped out at me today, so I need your reaction, DLG, and John, you too. Um when you look at it this way, it doesn't look as great. We're giving the Eagles credit for signing a talented player for a less expensive deal and maybe opening their thought process and horizons on how to deploy safeties this year. So we're giving the Eagles credit, but then you take a step back, take the 2000 view look. Eagles additions this year from outside the organization. Edmonds, Evans, Greedy Williams, Morrow, Rashad Penny and Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. Put them on one side of the scale. Then here are the free agents the Eagles have lost. Hargrave, White, Edwards, CJGJ, FC. Um, Kaiser White. I, uh, my, I said Kaiser White. Okay. Uh, Miles Sanders, Andre Dillard, Gardner Minshew, Isaac Samalu. Yeah, that doesn't quite. <laughs> balance the scales just yet does it here's the eagles have added here's what the eagles have lost yeah this side is winning have the eagles done enough this offseason have they just gotten as i like to call them jags just another guy to fill in for guys that they're missing whereas they lost players who were more than just jags I think the way they would say it is you have to look at the players they retained too. And I think that's fair, not to say like that's their own spin, but that's part of what they would say is in the equation. They were able to keep James Bradbury. They were able to retain, uh, work things out basically with Darius Slay. I'm not the biggest fan of the Fletcher Cox uh, returning deal, but they would point out that as well. So uh, Brendan Graham, Jason Kelsey. So, you know, that's part of the equation. Um, part of it was that, also, again, these losses were inevitable to some extent. And for as much as some people might want to say, like, the salary cap isn't real. I mean, this is a very uh, – this is a lot of proof that it is real because you can't just pay everyone. Uh, and you have to kind of go cheaper at some spots in the, Eagle, in the position the Eagles are in because their roster is so good and they already have a lot of money tied up. And also a lot of money tied up in, uh, you know, through void years and whatnot that has kind of coming catching up to them. Um, the financial flexibility they've kind of counted on in the past, you know, you're looking at 54.7 in dead money uh, this season. So um, that's just kind of the reality of the situation they're in. Um, I think they've done a decent job navigating the path that they've had. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly when you look at those names that you uh, added, you're not, you know, not getting super fired up about it. Um, no, uh, you mentioned some of the names they kept though. And certainly it's a group of very, very accomplished players, very, very good players. Also very, very old players by NFL standards. Um, BLG. Howie has said pretty consistently coming off the 2017 Super Bowl season 
that he learned some lessons about loyalty and about being too loyal and things like that. And then he turns around, he's pretty loyal to the guys, the foundational guys, uh, certainly the core four guys. Um, we live in Philadelphia. Uh, I, I tell Jody all the time, in many ways, I think Sam Hinkie broke Philadelphia because everybody's always thinking about the future. Well, I don't know why you're thinking about the future when you're 10 seconds away from, you know, you're tied in the Super Bowl. Um, the window is clearly open for this team, even with those losses. Do you have a problem with Howie sticking with all these over 30 guys? I think um, when you look at on a case by case basis, I mean, you know, Jason Kelsey is all pro again. He's the best player at his position in the league. Brandon Graham's coming off a career season. You know, you look at guys like that. Why wouldn't you bring them back? Like they're not showing signs of decline. They're looking great and they're staying healthy. Um, when you look at someone like Fletcher Cox, you know, I have a tougher time with that one. Um, Darius Slay, I thought he didn't necessarily place his best football down the stretch. So. In those cases, I'm a little bit more worried because I wonder what's next. Um, and even if it's not Slay, the fact that you sign James Bradbury, who's entering his age 30 season, <clears throat> and you have Darius Slay, you have two cornerbacks, you know, 30 plus. Just it just seems like the the likelihood of one of those players declining at a position where I think decline kind of hits sooner, or at least has the potential to, um, you know, based on the traits of that position, uh, that worries me a little bit in that, in that sense. Um, but I like the, the Bradbury deal, so I'm not really going to complain so much about him. Um, I, I do th think it's, uh, you know, again, if, if we talk about the things that you put in the pro column, the con column, uh, that's one of them. But I, again, I think the, the situation the Eagles were in, it wasn't like they could, all right, we're going to let all of these older guys walk and now we're going to sign, you know, these younger guys in a free agency because there's a, there's a price to be paid for that. You know, the, the younger guys are getting the premium contract. Well, you also got to play, pay the quarterback. So, and that too. I mean, yeah. So yeah. I just don't think they could necessarily afford to totally overturn the roster. Um, I think, again, you kind of have to go with case by case basis on that. Hi, case specific case basis for you. They miss out on signing Bobby Wagner. Goes back to Seattle, one-year deal, $7 million. I guess how he's got like a $3 million cap that he can't pay anybody more than $3 million on the free agent market. You make over $3 million. No, right. sorry. Hang up the phone. Um, <laughs> and that's the way it's played so far. But Wagner, again, had a great season for the Rams and a very forgettable season for the Rams in his one year there and has decided to go back to Seattle. They saw the value in bringing him back as their uh, stopper linebacker and their leader on defense, Eagles miss out on an opportunity to get one of the best linebackers in the NFL. I definitely thought they should have been uh, keeping tabs on his market. I think he ended up making more than I think they should have paid and, and what they realistically would have paid. You weren't I mean, ready to go 7 million for Bobby Wagner. No, I mean, you almost might, might as well just bring back TJ Edwards. <laughs> I feel like if you're willing to pay that contract, I feel like you should be willing to pay the TJ Edwards contract. Good point. Uh, much younger player yeah so um i no. i'd put five million at bobby i said i i talk about it at five million would you have talked about it at five million yeah again i, I wouldn't say just no automatically but also you have to consider and kind of like with tj um going to chicago I, I, you have to wonder you know bobby wagner wanting to go back to seattle if you know you kind of have to outbid that price because you know there's, there's obviously an advantage in going back to where he was already yeah, I, I I mentioned ring shopping. That would have to be part of it because I thought Bobby would get more than $5 million. So 
it would have to be both sides of the equation. Mm-hmm. He'd have to be going ring shopping, willing to pay for less money. And obviously it didn't, didn't work out. Um, linebackers a whole, boy, they're awfully light at linebacker <laughs> as we progress. Now they're going to add a body somewhere in the draft. It's obviously not going to be in the first round. Um, who knows? We still got June 1st coming. Um, Howie makes a point of saying talent acquisition season goes right up to the trade deadline, really. Mm. And they did last year. You look at Lynn Ball and, and Dominic and Sue, speaking of ring shopping. Um, so there's a long time you can add pieces. But I got to tell you, Nicobe Dean and Nicholas Morrow, boy. I mean, can we just say we don't care about stopping the run whatsoever? <laughs> Is that where we are in the NFL as a whole? Like Jordan <laughs> Davis, go stop the run. That's that's your right. job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely think that you know they're they're counting on the young guys, like you just mentioned, Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, to really step up. That's another part of this offseason. Again, that especially they would probably say to you, it's like, well, look, um, we lost these guys, but we also have you know picks from previous draft classes that uh, have kind of been waiting in the wings and are ready to step up. So that's definitely something they're counting on. And, you know, at linebackers specifically, it's just not a spot where they're going to just like running back. And I think the Rashad Penny contract, the fact that he got 600 K guaranteed kind of speaks to this. Like They're just not going to spend big resources in the position to where, I mean, you know, look, Penny's probably not going to be able to stay healthy. Uh, he has never done it in his career. But in theory, the upside of his signing is, is pretty good. It's pretty yeah. uh, attractive. So, you know, the fact that you can get a guy like that for 600 k kind of speaks to why they're only going to spend so many resources on running back. And with linebacker, it's not exactly the same. But I just feel like that's the kind of position that they feel. They just clearly don't need to put Now, with, with linebacker, though, let me just uh, throw this into you. You, you and I have seen this. I mean, up close, they've done this time and time again. It usually doesn't work. It's yeah. usually Eric Wilson or mm-hmm. Corey Nelson or LJ Ward, or, you know, Paul Warlow. Yeah. I mean, they developed TJ Edwards into a, a good player. Kaiser White worked for what they wanted. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You think maybe there should be a little bit inching up and maybe you're right. Maybe TJ just wanted to play in Chicago, but mm-hmm. boy, I thought he was going to get more than that. Um, it, it looked like a, a, a cost effective contract to me. Kaiser eh, probably not happy with two years. So maybe, maybe that, but they should have learned from Eric Wilson and that's guys. They signed. Don't forget mm-hmm. the Nate Gary's of the world who they tried to <laughs> draft and develop. I mean, they've had far more, misses at that position than hits absolutely and you know i think morrow is a reasonable signing um but you're right i mean they still have to do more and nicobe dean the thing about him is you know i I know a lot of people are excited and i get it um but at the same time the way i like to think about it is for um as much excitement as there is about him i feel like a lot of people would say that they're not necessarily devastated that tj edwards and kaiser white are gone No. And yet those were the guys that Nicobe Dean couldn't get on the field over last year. And, and, and I think there was the opportunity for him to do that. 
in terms of if if Nicobe Dean was really lighting it up in training camp and you know basically made it impossible for the coaches to keep him off the field and he could have been on the field at least a little bit more than he was which is basically none at all not at all except for garbage time um so you know it's just hard to uh, assume he's going to step in right away and be awesome from the jump you know speaking of Nicobe we'll ask Jody hopefully he'll pop back in here quickly but um it's kind of forgotten BLG when, when he fell in the trap, you remember there was talk about an injury Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, he's got some size deficiencies. That was probably part of it as well. Mm -hmm. But there was talk that, you know, he had the shoulder injury. It might've been degenerative. Mm -hmm. You think that was part of the reason he didn't get in the mix, especially early. And by the time, you know, the second half of the season came along, well, they were winning games, so mm-hmm. you're not going to take TJ off the field. You're not going to take Kaiser off the field. Trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because I'm with you. You know what's coming, and and they were pretty solidly ahead in a number of games to where they could have mixed in some of these younger players a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> my thing with it isn't that you know he's definitely going to be bad as much as it's just like. Um... Sometimes there's a reason why guys fall in the draft. Doesn't mean it's always a good reason, but yeah. it's not like this inexplicable thing. Like, oh, how could these teams be so dumb? Nicobe Dean is a star. The Eagles pulled one over on the entire NFL. I mean, it's possible it plays out like that, but I don't think that's that's necessarily definitely the case. Again, uh, I think there could be a reason that he falls, and it's not a good reason, but it's probably a reason. And I think, like you said, the size is definitely a factor in there. Um, the injury thing was weird because we never saw any signs of that. Yeah. He never missed any time in training camp or the regular, I don't think he was on the injury report the whole year. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think that really was an issue, but yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him to step up and, you know, look, I'm sure they're going to draft someone or add someone to an undrafted free agency either. Who knows? You know, there's always a trade out there, um, potentially waiting for you, especially with Howie Roseman involved. I guess the one thing I would push back on when it comes to Howie's uh, point about, you know, the offseason is long. I agree that, you know, and last year's a great example that you can add talent at any point. But, you know, what's the likelihood that you're going to add a Pro Bowl kind of caliber safety uh, <laughs> days before the season? Or you're going to get an all pro kind of corner like James Bradbury was last year that just gets cut by someone. It's not impossible yeah. But you certainly can't just bank on Yeah, that. I think the assumption that it happened is going to happen again is not likely. Right. We, we always talk regression to the mean. I mean, Jody knows. Like, I got killed for calling Howie a top five GM. I got murdered to the point <laughs> where, you know, now everyone loves him. And now it's a tipping point for me because everybody's like, well, Penny's going to work out. Morrow's going to work out. Mm-hmm. And Greedy Williams is going to. And I'm like, if if one of these guys works out. Yeah. You should be you should be thrilled from my perspective. As far as your point about uh, Nicobe Dean and uh, did everybody get it wrong and how he just kind of outsmarted everybody or did he luck into it? Don't care. Uh, <laughs> I think the kid's going to be a star, and I do believe that the league got it wrong and how he was you know, a little lucky enough, but smart enough as well to snag him when he did. Guys have been overlooked before in the draft and turned sure. out. Aaron Donald uh, should have been the number one pick of the draft the year he came out. He was a little undersized. Oops, a whole bunch of teams missed on him. And yeah, the Rams uh, were able to grab him and get one of the best defensive players of all time. So it's not like it's unprecedented mm-hmm. in the league. All right, speaking of defensive tackle, 
the Eagles lost both of their starting safeties, both of their starting linebackers, starting defensive tackle. They've signed a linebacker, and they're uh, certainly going to plug N'Kobe Dean in. They've signed two safeties. They haven't made any additions at the defensive tackle position yet. Is that next? Is there a name or two we should be keeping an eye on? Is this a given that this is going to be something they're going to address in the draft? I know uh, we're just talking about John continues to emphasize. It's an entire offseason. The roster building season goes to the trade deadline. Yeah, but someone's a little impatient and want to know. No, nobody's stepping in and replacing Javon Hargrave. But somebody's got to actually take those snaps and play those downs on the defensive line for the Eagles this year. When are we going to see an addition at defensive tackle? Or is it Marlon Tui Pelotu? Is, is that it? Do we is the answer he's already on the roster and his name is Marlon yes, Tui Pelotu? Marlon T, baby. People forget about him. And then his brother's in the draft. Yeah. Um, Tui is supposed to be really good. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think that's kind of really if you're looking at in terms of at least being a, you know, like a premium kind of player, um, maybe not necessarily right out of the jump, but potentially, you know, you're looking at someone in the draft. Um, obviously Jalen Carter don't even know what to fully make, you know, of him heading into the draft. There's a lot of question marks that, you know, I don't have access to the information to, and we'll see if teams uh, are able to get that. Um, I really like the kid out of Pittsburgh. Kalijah yeah. Kansi. I love it. I'm, yeah. I'm buying in. I'm buying in a Kalijah Kansi. I, I like him a lot. Um, I feel don't like... care about size. Who, who cares? <laughs> I feel, hey, if you want a guy who can kind of do some of the things or at least maybe potentially project to be like Javon Hargrave, I think that's kind of as close as a one-for-one that you're going to get in the draft. I'm with um, you. I'm My last draft, number 10. Had number 10. I had him if he's him. number 30, yeah, fine. Everybody I, loves him. I got him taking him at number 10. I'm buying. I'm buying into it. Might be a trade back for me from 10. Maybe like 10, you know, trade back I a couple of spots. That. Yeah, I think that's might, maybe where you might be able to make the value work. Um, but to, there's a lot of snaps to replace here at defensive tackle because not just yeah. Hargrave, but Dominic Sue, Linval Joseph. You know, like those guys were, especially by the end of the season, playing meaningful snaps. So you have a lot to replace there. And sure, you're going to get uh, Mr. T back, Marlon Tui Pelo too. And uh, you still have Milton Williams and Milton's Jordan Davis. play a lot more than he did this past yeah. year. Yes. And I think um, Milton's a good player. He was playing well at the end. I agree. Play. But uh, you still definitely need to add. They just they like to rotate their guys, and it's a new defensive coordinator. I get that, but I mean historically, they just like to rotate their defensive tackles, so they definitely need to add more bodies there. Uh, at Brandon Gouton, make sure you follow uh, BLG on Twitter. Bleeding Green Nation does a tremendous job there. I need you. I'm again going to go coin Jody. I need you to do me a favor right now. What What's today's date? I don't even know. Today would be the 27th. March 27th, BLG. Please. We already talked about running back a little bit. Please end it right now. There is no freaking <laughs> way the Eagles are taking B. John Robinson at number 10. Can we just stop it? I Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how this can be. Uh, I mean, just the, look at the track record. And to me, above all else, the the penny, the Rashad Penny signing, like I was hinting at earlier, the fact that you can get this player who you can reasonably say, I think it's not unreasonable to be like, Rashad Penny can be one of the most productive players at his position, potentially, you know, obviously there's health factor uh, next season. When you can get a guy like that for the little resources that the Eagles spent, I don't understand how the same 
GM, the same team is going to spend the number 10 overall pick. Number 30, it's a different conversation, but number 10, no way. All right, so let me pose it to both of you since uh, you went there, both did. And I love the conversation, but it, just the way certain people stated as if you could just wave a magic wand and make it happen. Uh, not at number 10, but if you trade back to 15 or 16, then the value matches up. Oh, I get the, the line of logic. But then you have to have a dance partner. Somebody's got to agree to move up to number 10 and just happen to have 15 or 16 to be willing to do the deal. A lot easier said than done is the point I'm trying to make. And if anybody can do it, how he can do it. But uh, people sometimes think how he can just uh, make things happen by by willing them. Um, if that did happen, then they traded down to number 16 or 17. And the Pittsburgh DT is there and B. John Robinson is there. Who are you taking with that pick? Uh, Kansi. The I mean, you have to also look at, you know, it's just you draft Bijan Robinson, he's going to be here four or five years. I mean, the Eagles are not going to pay a second running back contract. They're just not. They would have done yeah. it with Miles Sanders. Not to yeah. say that, you know, uh, Sanders is a better you know player than what maybe Bijan Robinson can be. But that's just not – it's not what, how they operate. It's not what they do. Um, whereas, in theory – you draft Cansey and look, I, you know, I need to do more homework on these prospects as a whole, but I think there's more of a chance that he could be around for, let's say, 10 or more years, like Fletcher Cox has been, for example. So I think that's definitely what I remember doing. in the media house, BLG, talking to Howie about the 2018 draft. So after the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. so it was the Lamar Jackson year where they traded out, understandably so. Eventually got Dallas Goddard, so it worked out well for both teams. But, well, <laughs> Baltimore's got some headaches, but it turned into a very good player for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked him about the fifth-year option, I remember. And he basically confirmed he doesn't even want a fifth-year option at running back. That's part of the reason. He don't even want that. That that That's a big thing at quarterback. It's a big thing at certain positions. But that's not a positive at running back. I think as you've seen with the Giants and Saquon Barkley, the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott, you're kind of forced to make that decision. Even if you make they were both good players, but the value is just not there. No. It's just not there at that position. In this era, it used to be the position. You know, back in the old days, it was all running back. But now it's unbelievable how things have changed so much. And I think you just look at how the Eagles can get less out of more of that position, like regularly. Um, and the fact that they have such a good ecosystem for running backs in terms of their offensive line and a quarterback who runs a lot and can help the backfield uh, in a lot of ways. I just don't think that's if, if you're looking for you look, you know, there's a salary cap. Your resources are limited. There's positions you're going to have to kind of yeah, not dedicate all of them to. And I think that's one that they can kind of get away with doing less with. All right, BLG, last one for me. And I was going to bring this up with John in the first segment, but we got off on such a Edmonds fit position and the way the Eagles judge safeties tangent that I never got there. So let me run it by you. I think one of the under-the-radar needs that the Eagles have this offseason as we sit here today is wide receiver. And let me explain. We know that they've got maybe the best tandem of wide receivers in the National Football League. So what the hell do we need another wide receiver? Well, you're only one sprained ankle away from having Quez Watkins back as your number two wide receiver. And we saw that year one of Nick Sirianni, and it wasn't good enough. 
Uh, Devontae Smith taking a major step up. The A.J. Brown addition was phenomenal. But both of those guys stayed healthy all last year, and that's sometimes a bit of a pipe dream. Guys get hurt. Guys miss games. Guys sprain an ankle and miss two games. No Zach Pascal to go out there blocking on the outside and catch the occasional pass. Why? Because no one thinks they're actually going to throw it to him. But then he does make a play and give him credit for it. Quez Watkins coming off a down year for me. Eagles, and and do you like any of that? De- Devin Allen, is he going to step up this year and get the track stuff put behind him and become a reliable wide receiver? Britton Covey going to jump up and become a possession receiver? Am I overstating the case here, or do the Eagles need to address wide receiver here at some point? No, they definitely need more depth behind the top two guys. I mean, you just said it, like, <clears throat> who is it right now behind those top two? I mean, Quez, look, Quez Watkins has ability in theory, but he really proved he couldn't be trusted late in the season. And the where he's at currently, salary-wise, you know, he's set to make um, seven, $2.7 this year, um, and none of that's guaranteed at the time. You know, it, it's the uh, performance, uh, proven performance escalator that bumped his rookie contract up to that number. I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's like the 18th highest cap hit on the team. I just don't think you can pay Quez Watkins that number. They have to either find yeah. a way to get him to take a pay cut or, or trade him. They, I just don't think you can keep him at no, – that's a high number. I don't think that makes a lot of sense, especially for a team that is tied up against the cap and should really be looking to find more ways to get somewhere yeah. they reasonably and- can. You know, you hate to think about it, but if you imagine AJ or Devonte getting uh, going down with an injury, I mean, there is a chasm uh, yeah. if you had to play somebody else. So, yeah, I do think, and no, add a body. I I do think yeah. how he's going to trade down at some point, add picks in the middle rounds. They'll try to get somebody at that position. But you're right about Quest; those performance escalators really. Um, kind of muck things up with players who play a lot and yep. you know I'm, I'm not sure of that formula but it it values playing time more than effectiveness <laughs> yes and we saw that yeah. with Brazil Douglas once upon a time he, yeah. he actually yeah. had to take a pay cut and then the Eagles cut him anyway but <laughs> yeah. um yeah I think there's gonna have to be a conversation about that where is Rasul Douglas by the way Green Bay, playing well played okay. well with Green Bay uh, he mm-hmm. wasn't eligible for free agency this offseason no, I did not believe so I do not believe he okay. signed a pretty big deal with Packers, didn't he? BLG, he, yeah. he he's played well out there. Yeah, he, really he has. has. I just didn't know if his deal was up. If he was, uh, I didn't remember his name being kicked about his free agent. So uh, apparently, he's staying put with the Packers and is going to have to get along with our Aaron Rodgers, or maybe not. We shall see. Uh, BLG, great stuff. Always a pleasure. Appreciate whatever you jump in. Uh, enjoy trying to ferret the Nuggets out of the owners' meetings this mm-hmm. week. We'll be reading you on Bleeding Green Nation. See you guys. Thanks, Bert. Brittany Gatmeer with us on Birds 365. All right, I want to further that conversation with you, Johnny Mack, when we come back. Because we know what the Eagles lost during the offseason, just uh, football common sense tells you, all right, you lose guys, you have to replace guys. You have guys go via free agency, you got to bring free agents and or draft picks in. We're still more than a month away from the draft. They lost the wide receiver, too. I just mentioned they made no move at defensive tackle to place Javon Hargrave with Whoever they bring going in, it's going to be a massive drop-off. But you just need a body there to start the process. Even though I kind of poked a little fun at him last week. Uh, Zach Pascal did play for the Philadelphia Eagles. He got reps for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was on the field. A lot of reps, yeah. 
Yeah. Somebody's got to get those reps. There they do. And I've heard no rumors, no names kicked around about free agent wide receivers. Oh, by the way, there have been some free agent wide receivers signed. Whether they fit the type we of class deal. though, pre-agency a wide receiver, not the year to be looking for a wide receiver. Um, you know, Chicago got yeah, a good Carolina one. Carolina got a guy like Adam Thielen on what I thought was yeah, a fair but market. He's expensive. Deal. They paid him a ton, and he's thirty-two. Um, yeah, that's not the. We talked about the Eagles aren't in that market. He was way too expensive. Um, so what, what, what market are they in? Two million. I mean, that's Le- less than le- less than what Zach Pascal was supposed to make. Well, he wasn't supposed to make. Anything. Well, he got two years. I I think that I think the Eagles assumed they were going to get Zach back, but uh, he got two years, so it's understandable why he left. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a bigger loss than people realize. But you know, I yeah, but Thielen would be great. I mean, but I mean, he was expensive. He was re- even at his age. Uh, I. I can look up the contract in the break, but he got, he got a lot of money. Um, so I, I certainly don't think they were in that type of conversation. Oh, and, and I know that it's all about managing the cap and we believe that Howie's good at it, but uh, there, there is a need at the wide receiver position. And if we're just waiting for one to fall out of a tree for the veteran minimum, because that seems to be the type of contracts the Eagles are signing, uh, I don't know that they're going to be able to screw up that kind of guy. And I, uh, here's another phrase that we use too often, uh, that we just apply it and then you have to deal with the reality of it. Oh, well, they draft somebody. It's not going to be the first round. It probably won't be the second round, but the third round. Oh, by the way, the Eagles don't have, as of right now, a fourth, fifth, or sixth round pick. So in that seventh round where the Eagles have two picks, they're going to get an extra linebacker, an extra safety, at least an extra wide receiver, a developmental quarterback, a, a future running back. They only have two seventh-round picks, and it's the seventh stinking round. So we're going to fill all these needs yeah. with our draft picks. As of right now, but I mean, you also work. you also have to be realistic. So uh, he got twenty-five million. I mean, fourteen million guaranteed. I mean, you can't pay that for a third wide receiver. And there, he's going to be a one or a two, uh, and they have some issues. Obviously, you can't pay that kind of. Even if you didn't have to pay your quarterback, you can't pay that kind of money for a third receiver. So you do have to be realistic as well, and that's where you have to. You do have to hit on some draft picks. It becomes more important not only this draft, but also. Jody, last year's draft, when we talk about the luxury picks. Uh, all right, now Jordan Davis has got to ramp up. Now N'Kobe Dean's got to ramp up. Now Cam Jurgens has got to ramp up. Those guys, and even to go back two years, Milton Williams, you talk about replacing Javon Hargrave. Well, he's the replacement. Now, he's not going to maybe get cancy. You know, I'm buying the hype, and, and, and there's more uh, avenues. But – you know, you're probably not going to be as good on the pass rush, but maybe Milton's a better run defender. He probably will be, to be honest. So maybe you got to go about things different ways. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's the trick to the whole thing. You have a certain amount of, of assets, and you gotta you got to put the pieces together. And Howie has proven to be, again, I'll say, top five at what he does. So. He generally puts the pieces together better than 
others, um, to say the least. All right, I'll give you Adam Thielen. Is he's a uh, one slash two, and the Eagles are looking for a three at best, so they were priced out of that market. I certainly agree there. How about a return of the Mac, Mac Collins, coming out mm-hmm. of Vegas, landing with the Falcons for two point five? Are you telling me you'd rather be a Falcon than an Eagle? Well, I don't know. Maybe because Mac got a lot of crap when he was here. So you never uh, know a player's thoughts. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's a good blocker. He might be a fit. He's certainly improved. Um, but again, maybe he took so much heat when he was here. Maybe he doesn't want to. Be All right. Bad. How about another guy? Return to the Eagles. Nelson Aguilar signed this no, weekend. Uh, no, why, no, why couldn't no. he be I, I guarantee back to Philadelphia? Nelson would rather dip himself in a fountain of acid than come back to Philadelphia. All right, yeah, that 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 one I kind of go with you. The, the, yeah. the heels, the wound should have healed on Matt Collins, who is not nearly as abused as Nelson Aguilar. All right, I get that. And Nelson wasn't coming back, but at least they were here before. And my point is, the Eagles still haven't added a wide. They've lost the wide receiver. I think they need to upgrade at wide receiver three over uh, Quez Watkins to begin with. And to this point, Howie hasn't found any of those answers yet. Uh, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. You got your Mac and Mac guys. Uh, Jeff Mosher is going to join us coming up in less than 20 minutes. So stay here with us on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Is the best vacation one that you find? Or one you get lost in? One that takes you to new heights? or reminds you to go with the flow, to get your feet wet and your wheels spinning. One that lets you find your own rhythm or get carried away. Find the best of yourself. Get lost in the woods. Plan your stay in the wild woods today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. 
a personal injury from someone else's negligence, turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Here with you on Birds 365. Appreciate you streaming on in. Yeah, go ahead and hit that like button. Give your boys a little uh, love. We could use the help. Thank you for streaming in and while you're at it. Go ahead. Tell us if you actually think the show's okay. Um, Johnny Mac, this week is the uh, owners' meetings out in Arizona. Um, doesn't look like there's going to be a whole heck of a lot of rule changes. Uh, implemented the competition committee didn't come up with anything solid that they're recommending that the owners uh, vote on so it doesn't look like there's going to be much as far as rule changes go and that's one of the things that happens with this meeting uh most years including no tush push evaluation they talked about it in the competition committee and they didn't think they could have enough votes to be able to get it through so it's going to be here and it's going to be something the eagles are going to rely on uh, I was reading Peter King this morning in his Monday morning quarterback column today, and he is harping on the idea that some quarterback's going to get hurt. And this NFL is deciding to be reactive rather than proactive, getting ahead of it. And they'll wait till some quarterback goes down and gets hurt. And they go, oh, well, we can't have that. We need to reevaluate this. Well, who's the if, if Peter King is right, who's the quarterback most likely to get hurt running the tush push? Other than Jalen Hurts, who they do it more here in Philadelphia than basically the rest of the league combined. Um, I I don't think it's about injury as much as um, getting the votes. If they know, they know if they have the votes, and if they don't have the votes, they're not going to put it up for a vote because they, you know, then it hurts further cases. So they'll wait until they feel it's gotten to a point to where they can get the votes. Um, and I think it has more to do with that. Now, if you have a high profile injury, I forget there was who got injured on a sneak. You brought it up to me. Mahomes. I, I, Mahomes. Yeah. I I think, yeah, I think if that happens, uh becomes easier. Um, you know, and that's if they want to pass it. Because I, I have had I mentioned on the show last week, I had a couple people saying to me, Well, they want offense. I mean Less punts, the better, blah, blah, blah. You you keep the offense on the field, more points. Makes sense. Um, so, you know, maybe they don't want to get rid of it. Um, I had brought up the, the aesthetic nature of the play because, to me, it's a really ugly play. Mm-hmm. But then again, so is a bubble play. screen. Yeah, so is, a, so is a bubble screen. I mean, that's one of the ugliest plays in football, uh, unless no, your team you hits mean, one. You mean that? Oh God! A I bubble can't. screen is compared to a tush push. If I see another bubble screen, I say it all the time, Jody. Just tear my eyes out. I can't stand it. I. It's awful. It's terrible. It's so. That's another thing with the officials versus college and pros. 
You can block at this point. You can't block at this point. It's so inconsistent. It's so unfair. It's horrible looking until it hits. You know, yeah, for they're... years, that first season with, with the Eagles, everybody was saying the same thing I was. No more bubble screens. It didn't work. They never worked. They were never successful. And they're ugly, ugly plays when it doesn't work. When you get Zach Basco out there blocking like he's an offensive lineman, you you click one, all of a sudden, yeah, that's a great play. It's an ugly play. Just watch. You watch a lot of college football. That's all they do, Jody. It's ugly. I understand. Oh. I, yeah, you and I disagree. I don't think it's an ugly play. I think when it doesn't work, it's an ugly play. You know what else doesn't look good? When a quarterback gets sacked, that's an ugly play for the offense. And when a guy is open behind the defensive quarterback overthrows him by five yards, it's an ugly play. Ugly is oftentimes defined by the success of the play. And you're right. Well, beauty's in the eye well of the beholder. In Philadelphia, but I think that has more to do with the guy they're throwing the bubble screen to. Somehow bubble screens work for the San Francisco 49ers. Why is that, John? Well, yeah, you got to have the right players. Yeah, they, got, mean, they got this guy named Debo Samuel. Yeah. Bubble screens look real pretty with him. They're not ugly. It's yeah. not the play well, itself. It's the person who's out there still, trying to even, perform the even play. With, even somebody as talented as Debo, and you're right. I mean, obviously, if you have a player, the, most of them still over 50% don't work. I mean, there, it's, it's an ugly. I, I, I get it. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But overall, I think. We're both old school guys. Look, from just a pure aesthetic standpoint, I'm not talking about athletics. I'm not talking the gifted nature of the players. Just from a pure aesthetic standpoint, I think you would agree with me. 1980s football was a more beautiful game than the game played today. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you'll disagree with me. Yeah, no, I, I'm not I, necessarily going there. I, I, I think it's such an, uh, it's such a uglier game that it once was, you know, the, the intricacies of the Bill Walsh offense versus, you know, tempo, bubble screen, zone read, RPO. It's just not as exciting. And then I get it. I always go back to, I always tell that the, the James Franklin game. It was so uh, Penn state, Ohio state. Trace McSorley was there. It's like a fourth and five. They ran an RPO and everybody's losing their minds. And I got into it with a bunch of college uh, football people at the time. And they're like, well, you got to run. You got to run this. You got to run. I'm like, you can't practice RPO, 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 zone read, and then expect them to pull Bill Walsh out of his ass at the biggest moment that they don't practice. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. And again, go go watch those Bill Walsh teams and tell me that's not a prettier brand of football. That's all I'm saying. That is a prettier brand of football. Yeah, but there were were 31 other teams in the NFL that weren't Bill Walsh. Well, we're always talking about highest level. We'll he talk about the, the highest level. The All best. right. Chiefs and Eagles, the Who's, highest level. Well, who do you who runs a prettier offense? Bill Walsh or Andy Reid? The, the we'll pick whichever uh, 49ers Super Bowl offense or the Kansas well, City offense. I would, say I would, say, I would say Bill Walsh because Andy has innovated to be successful in today's era of football. It's not a criticism of Andy. Andy's trying to win. Uh Andy's trying to win games. The game has been, and by the way, it's baseball as well. 
basketball as well. The game has evolved into a math problem. So now it's all about we got one, one more guy in the box plus one in the running game. So take advantage of that, which makes sense. I'm not, I'm not criticizing. You found an advantage. You can go all the way back to Appalachian state and Michigan, Jody. You, you, you don't have as much talent. So you try to game the system. It became a math problem. It became a math problem in baseball. It became a math problem in, in, in basketball. The aesthetics aren't aren't there when you're trying to solve a math problem that's all i'm saying yeah you and i don't agree on this i think that and it goes back to an argument i've had forever about it, it's more basketball based but the way we're discussing here in football i see how similar it is people love to tell you that you must decide on which of two areas is better that the 80s basketball oh, with uh, the Knicks and, and Jerry West and Will Chamberlain and the fact that they played a different brand of basketball as compared to today where everything is threes and or athletic over the rim or whatever. Why can't you like both? Why can't you say basketball was great 40, 50 years ago? Basketball is great today. People make you choose side. No, no. It's got to be one or the other. If you have to be an old school fan and this new game stinks and there's no team cohesion or this new game is more athletic and those old men couldn't play in today's game. People feel the need that you have to choose one of the two. Well, that's not me. I'm, I'm not telling people to choose. They can choose for themselves. I said beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Now, I'll be the first to tell you the athletes are much better today. They're much more gifted today. Um, but I do think the, the invasion of analytics. Remember, there are two different two different things at play here. You, if, if, if you're a team, if you're an organization, your job should only be should only be to win. And if you find a way to win, you pound on that way to win. That's your job. If you're a coach, that's your job. Take advantage of the math problem. That's your job. It's the league's job. And, and we talked about this with whether it's the tush push or whether it's the Bill Belichick formational push. It, the league has a different job. The league, and it doesn't matter as much with the NFL, it probably matters more with Major League Baseball to a certain degree, the NBA, certainly the NHL. Um, their job is to make the game enticing for the fans and the television viewers who are going to get. So their job is a little bit different. Anybody, there are, I'm sure there are people who think today's game is prettier than the, the 1980s, whatever, 1990s game. I'm sure there are people who think that and they have the right, like what you like. But in my opinion, I would rather gouge my eyes out to see another bubble screen. And I got to see them 15 times a week at every game in the NFL. To me, it's no fun, but that's yeah. me. That's a person. I got no issues with bubble screens when they're well executed. If you got a, a talented wide receiver on the outside and a uh, good run offense, uh, bubble screen could be a great play. I got zero, zero problems with it. Unless, of course, it's being thrown at Jalen Rager. Then uh, shame on the Philadelphia well, that's Eagles the for, point, though, for drawing that one up. You're saying when it works. Yeah, when it works, it's great. But the vast majority of them are Jalen Rager bubble screens, uh, not uh, Debo Samuel bubble screens. And this is pervasive, not only in uh, Philadelphia, everywhere in the NFL. 
everywhere in college football. This is pervasive, and you see five, sometimes at the college level, you might see 10 a game because they, you know, they get very redundant. The games last so long. Here's here's where I will agree with you um, that I think one of the things that factors into as many teams using it and calling it as often as they do over the course of a weekend in the NFL, everybody playing, how many bubble screens are run? The answer is probably too many. It's, again, driven by analytics. It's a safe pass. You're going to complete the pass. The completion percentage is that important. So let's make a play where we can upgrade the chances are it's going to be a complete pass. Yeah, but the guy gets tackled behind the line. Yeah, but it was a complete pass. It's a math problem. That's what I said. That doesn't make any sense. And most people, some people love math. Some people enjoy it. They've made it their lives. Most people didn't have fun in math class. And when you turn sports into a math problem, most people aren't on board with that. Right. But there are some people that are really good at math and they're football coaches and they figure out how to make the math work for them. Others can't do the math. Think they can do the math. Understand math is important, but at the bottom line is at the end of the you, day, you, you come brought up, up basketball. Number, that's a bad decision. You you brought up basketball. To me, the most I, – I was a Sixers fan growing up. I now could care less about that team. But growing up, I was a huge Sixers fan. The, the most exciting time in basketball for me, I can picture it. Mo Cheeks leading the break. The wings were Julius Serving and Bobby Jones. And something was coming crashing down. It was either a Doc dunk or Bobby Jones dunk. Most exciting play in basketball. Today, they got wings who veer to the three-point line. Is that exciting if it goes in? Yeah. It ain't It ain't Julius serving, rocking the baby, cradling over Michael Cooper. I'll tell you that. So, I, I you know, I, I don't see how – are the athletes better? They're, they're were, there are much more Julius Irvings today than there were then. Understood. No and question are... about it. But that play, that particular play, and you know the one I'm talking sure. about, or you can go to Mark Landisberger and, and Magic Johnson, who speaks with such awe and reverence of that particular play. Uh, that, that, that stuff is more exciting to me. I think if people got to see it, they, they would find it more exciting. Yeah, but Seth Curry is doing things that nobody's ever done before. Uh, and, well, Steph, and, and not the Seth. Doc Seth is, uh, we'll see if there's another Seth Curry, Steph Curry to come. There there was another Doc. Doc was a forerunner. Doc did things that nobody had ever done. And then we found out, okay, there are other guys who are going to do it other than Dr. J. We'll find out if there's anyone else who can do what Seth Curry does because no one has ever done it before. He is that same kind of cutting edge for a run player with just his unbelievable ability to shoot. All right, we've gotten off on a basketball tangent. We're going to bring it back to football with Jeff Mosher. He's coming up next. Mirren Smith are inside the Eagles.com and inside the Eagles podcast. Jeff Mosher joins us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. 
Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Monday here on Birds 365. You got John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and another M. Our buddy Jeff Mosher from InsideTheEagles.com. Good enough. Inside to the Birds. In. Inside the Birds.com. Inside the Birds.com. New um, backdrop, by the way, Jeff. Look at that. Well, yeah. Whoa. Where'd you get that? You like that? That's pretty cool. That's almost as good as oceans. Find us. And you probably can uh, wear uh, green. Is, is yours is dark? Ours is light. Yours is dark. You wear any color you want, huh? Yeah, you know, it's great. It's actually, um, it's our, we have two logos, one with me and Adam, and then this one. This one, it just, I don't use this as a backdrop much, but this is our, this is our alternative. You know, it's like the home and road uniform. We got the, the we home go. and road logo. Yeah. Gotta, gotta switch it up. Yeah, we're gonna get some uniform talk, which drives nice. me insane. Uh, Jeffrey Laurie's gonna break out some uniform news, I would imagine, at the NFL owners meetings, but I want to start in more substantive places uh jeff with you uh terrell Edmonds. you know i i i I said in the first segment of i can't figure out why this kid can't get any money he's 26 he's started for five years on what's usually an above average defense pretty Mm -hmm. solid defense pff numbers are good you know not great 
not a splash player, but he can't make more than two million. I get why Rashad Penny got his contract. I get why Greedy Williams got his contract. Justin Evans, Nicholas Morrow. This kid, there's got to be something. What am I missing? I don't know, John. I think it's a good question, other than to say that it was a really, really deep uh, free agent market at safety. You know, um, we saw about five or seven, you know, between Marcus Epps and Donovan Wilson and Von Bell and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Jesse Bates. And there are probably two other guys who I'm I'm not mentioning, you know, or I'm just forgetting. I mean, um, and sometimes we see this. There's always sometimes kind of a glitch in the, the free agent system at position. There's a hot name because like a guy like Marcus Epps was coming off. Or, is Marcus Epps a better safety than than Terrell Edmonds, they're, they're very similar. But Edmonds has started more, to your point. Edmonds has more experience, and he was a first-round pick. But there's something about Marcus Epps in the season he just came off of, and he's younger, that probably made him more enticing to the Raiders. I think Edmonds's issue, if, if you want to call it an issue, is that after five years, he is what he is, and he's probably shown you what his his ceiling is, as opposed yeah, to maybe some great. of the other guys who, who have um, – signed and might be younger or more versatile like von bell's a good a better cover guy probably so yeah. um yeah i just think that that's 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 the story of terrell edmonds good player not a great player probably a little overdrafted in the first round although i don't remember you know who went in the bottom of the first round um doesn't make a whole lot of plays steady eddie type of thing right but a guy like uh demonte and if i'm mispronouncing his last name please get it right for me KZ, KZ. They really like him. The 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 Steelers safety, who oh by the way, they were a team that tried to incorporate three safeties last year with Minka Fitzpatrick as well. Mm -hmm. Why does he get three million and Edmonds only gets two? And Edmonds is a guy who certainly took more snaps and seemed to be as important, if not more important, to their defense. Uh, I'm with John on it. I just don't know how the Eagles got this guy. It, it's almost one of those, you hear the number and you go, wait, why? Right. Should, no. Shouldn't they have had to pay more for this guy than they did? If it's just Howie being that great a negotiator, I'd love to tip my hat to Howie. But I'm not sure I understand how he pulled it off. Yeah, the the, the KZ thing is strange. They really like him. Um, he's 29 years old. I know he had been with a couple of teams before the Steelers. Now, he, he played less snaps. I believe he was injured last year. Um, and then when he came back from an injury, they wanted to get him on the field more. So I think that's why he played fewer snaps than Evans, but they do like him uh, a decent amount. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that it, it's that he's a, just a better compliment to Minka Fitzpatrick. I know he's a little bit, Casey, a little bit more of a cover guy, I think, because he's a little lighter, a little shorter. And that's what the league is looking for. They're looking for safeties yeah. who can run yeah, and cover. And, and he's probably a better – option for them at that than than Edmonds who's more of a box kind of safety and um for I, I would guess and I don't know Casey really well but one thing on Edmonds is that he's not considered like an above average athlete so you know they're always looking for people again run cover for traits things like that now Jeff that leads me into my next point that I'm confused about but I, I think we all think uh Sean Desai is going to continue down the big Bangio routes. And if they do that, you don't have free and strong safeties. You have left and right safeties. You have mirrored safeties. They're right. supposed that's the whole point of the defense. That's that, we got to confuse the quarterback till post snap and and then 
you got that extra split second and you blah, blah, blah. Um, this guy's a, a traditional strong safety. Um, so is that telling us that Sean decides more open-minded? Is it just, well, this is the best player we could have gotten at this point in the process. And we got to wait till we find somebody to play what we really want to play from the fit standpoint this didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I contacted somebody who's giving me some really good in, information on the Eagles defense. And he said the same thing I did. Yeah, I don't get it. Have you talked to any people? Do you get the fit aspect of this? No, I, I don't really get the fit aspect, but I get the, um, I mean, I think I, I get the sort of, you had zero safeties. Uh, you need experience. You need someone to play. And right now, with with the experience that he has, he's clearly their their most experienced and probably their only definitive starter on the depth chart. Now, if the Justin Evans kids is healthy and plays like he did before, you know, even last year and then before missing three straight years, well, then maybe they found something there. And that's a guy who you're right, John, fits the scheme a whole lot better. Uh, there have been a couple of players. There were I'm trying to think. Last year there was a player that the Eagles sign, who I also questioned the fit. I can't remember. And they wound up making it work. You know, it, John Gannon, as you know, John, made it work up front with maybe not having all the types of players. Oh, that yeah. Would have Gennard Avery, yeah. Yeah, Gennard Avery, great point. Yeah. So um, sometimes you just need, and this is why, to go back to Jody, why is he only getting one one year? Why is he getting so, much, so little money? Is because right now he's kind of a placeholder, you know, a stopgap, much like the Eagles have done at linebacker for a lot of years. And uh, if they're able to bring in somebody better through the draft, the trade market, whatever, then that guy plays. And if that person fits the scheme more, that guy plays. It is, it is really amazing that a guy who has started as many games as Edmonds though, just didn't have a, a better market. It, it's not like safety play around the NFL is, it's at some elite level. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I'm talking like, Four million. I'm not talking right. Big, right. I, 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 it's amazing to me that many starts that age. Those are the guys you're supposed durable. Yeah. Those are generally the guys who get paid in pre agency. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, to your point though, that uh, the Fangio scheme is certainly spread. You know, the Eagles are one of like a billion teams running. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. They probably all looked at Terrell Edmonds the same way. Good point. <laughs> Good point. Jody, you're muted. He sounds better that way. <laughs> Thank you for that, uh, Johnny Mac. I forgot I coughed. Um, I've run this by every Eagle guest we've had the last 10 days or so, uh, and we haven't had you on since free agency kicked in. The whole Isaac Samalo leaves, not a problem. We'll just plug our backup center in as our starting uh, right guard next year, and everything will be okay because – Jeff Southland says so. He just waves his magic wand and guys transfer positions and they're as good as the individual that they're replacing. And it's happened a bunch of times. But it's not a guaranteed every single time do we put too... It sounds like almost blasphemy to say it, but do we put too much stock in everything will be fine just because we have Jeff Stoutland on the offensive line? Can I answer that question like six weeks into the season? <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, the Eagles are answering it now. Yeah, or well, I mean, that's, or that's, do you think that first round draft pick is going to be a potential guard who can step in and play for the Eagles next year? No, I, I don't think it will. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, but I don't think it will be. Um, but I mean, you know, 
to answer your question, I mean, you, you always, I don't think it's just Jeff Stellan. Anytime you draft a player in the first or second round, right? Jordan Davis. I mean, uh, you're hoping that they live up to what you saw on tape. And if you have good coaching in that position, you're, you're expecting the marriage of what you saw. It's not like they overdraft him in the second round. He was, a, he was a second round talent and they've got a great offensive line coach. So it should work. Now, what I suspect the Eagles will do, Jody, um, is look for some veteran offensive line help because losing Dillard and, you know, releasing uh, Opeta, although he's back, I'm on there. He'll, he'll probably be on the practice squad again. But they've had good backups, right, uh, mm-hmm. for, for the last few years just in case a starter didn't work out or got hurt. They're not nearly as deep after losing Dillard and losing Samalu as they used to be. So uh, I get your point there. In case something doesn't work out at right guard, you do have Driscoll. Uh, but I do imagine that they will try to bring in some more help there on the offensive line just in case. But that, that guy's going to be your starter uh, because he's year two and he's a second-round pick, and you got to get him in there. And, uh, you know, the, the best thing that happened for him last year was also the worst thing. The, the best thing was he got to play center when Jason Kelsey needed the elbow surgery last, thing, last year in training camp. So we got a lot of great reps and showed – at least in the preseason, that it, it looks like he's a good player and that he can step in there. But they were trying to cross-train him at right guard at the time. And so they had to move him to center, and he really never got that right guard cross-training last offseason as they were hoping to get. So uh, he'll get it this year, imagining, uh, unless Jason Kelsey's going to be hurt again. Uh, and then they'll see. Yeah. Um, and th- it's more than just Camp Jurgen. So to kind of expound on that, Jeff, really a group of five players that the Eagles kind of baked in. They knew they were going to lose players. Howie was honest about that. And Cam's one of them. You mentioned Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, and I'd add Milton Williams as a third-year player uh, for Javon and Reed Blankenship as well as an undrafted free agent. Of those five guys, who are you most competent in? You don't worry about who are you least competent in. Ironically, you know, Reed Blankenship, besides Milton, Reed Blankenship is the one we saw the most of, yeah. even more than Jordan Davis. Yeah, how about that? Uh, so, wait, my five were Jurgens, Dean, Blankenship. Jordan Davis, Blankenship, and Milton Davis. Williams. Yeah. Okay. Um, probably Jurgens. Uh, probably Jurgens. Uh, and it's really. I guess there's question marks on everybody. Uh, Nicobe Dean would be a close second, but I. You know, without knowing who's that that front line, that starting front line, it's hard to to know how the linebackers are going to play. I think they, they go hand in hand. It's a big deal. I don't know that they view Milton Williams as a starting defensive tackle. I think they like his path. And that's a big thing, too, is with Sean Desai, we're sort of still waiting to see what he likes in his yeah. personnel up front. He had a big, stout team in Chicago, guys like Akeem Hicks inside yeah. and and uh, Boy, he, he had some really play, big man. bullies. Ooh. And this is not, yeah, this is not a big, stout defensive line. It's a fast, quick, athletic defensive line, uh, which, which there's nothing wrong with. But, you know, as we've seen in the past, that's, that's hurt them up the middle defensively, especially against the run. You know, obviously, uh, they're not any bigger or more stout against the run. In fact, they're a little bit less so now. So we'll see. Uh, the, the linebacker they signed, Morrow, is a good player too, but he's more, again, he's not a very big guy either. No oh. converted safety. 215, so, they try to yeah. put him in. Yeah. yeah. And the Kobe Dean, you know, when people talk to me about him, NFL people who evaluated him, you know, it, he obviously fell to the third round. A lot of it was injury related, but also, 
you know, the tape showed that he's a sideline to sideline guy. He's not necessarily a guy who wants to go head into the hole and take on big ball carriers and big offensive linemen coming at him. That's that's not his game as much. He's really smart, so he can figure it out, and he's a good player. Probably figure it out. But someone just well, – I remember last year someone said, don't you know, if one of these guys gets hurt, don't expect him to be the savior of the run defense because, because if they're going to take – take aim at our middle, which a lot of teams did. That's not his style of game. I, uh, I, I fear you're right. I hope you're wrong about Milton Williams not being a starting defensive tackle, just a rotational guy. Uh, if you are right, who's going to start? Who's going to – Who? I don't want any part of replacing Javon Hargrave, but he's gone, and somebody has to step in there, and they're not going to be able to do what he did. But somebody's got to get those snaps and – quote unquote as a starter right this is not a great draft for defensive tackles at least not at the top none that married going in the top 10 so we know well, i'm buying the pit kid i'm buying i'm, I'm yeah, all in i'm buying the I'm pit buying. kid i like yeah. the pit kid a lot at, at 10 you think he's going to be worthy of taking him at 10, number 10 yeah. i yeah, just I did I my latest mock yeah. draft i had canty going number 10 to the eagles i'm buying it I'm all yeah, in. No, I, I could see it. I, I've got great feedback on him from people who evaluate him. I mean, there's no, there's, you know, other than the size, you know, there, there's no, not a whole lot of knocks on the kid. So, um, I mean, listen, the beauty of it being only what March 27th is that you've got six months before you have to answer that question. You know, we didn't know at this time last year who was going to be the Eagles' safety next to Marcus Epps. It wound up being CJ Gardner Johnson. We didn't know at this time this year who was going to be that corner opposite Darius Slay at this time last year it was Zach McPherson. Then it became James Bradbury. So I, uh, you know, Howie is not blind to this, I'm sure. And uh, he'll do his best to, to get a guy in there. You know, yeah. listen, the, the one thing is that you may not be as good as you were last year defensively and that's okay. I mean, you, you can't be the same team every single year. Right. Uh, and so you're going to be, most likely a very a good, if not elite, offensive team, and you might have to just lean on that a little bit more than normal. Yeah, I've been I've been talking about that for a while, Jeff. Even if they got Jonathan Gannon back, even if Javon you know, Howie was some kind of wizard and uh, got the salary cap increased and kept Javon Hargrave and T.J. Edwards and everybody else, um, law of averages, they're not going to be as good. Right. They're not getting 70 sacks again. I can tell you that. No. Uh, number two overall, number one in passing defense, probably not, even right. with all those players back. So that said, you feel sorry for Sean Desai because he's going to come in with those expectations. I mean, that wasn't good enough. Yeah. But there's a, yeah. lot, a large portion of this fan base, and I get it every day because I love Gannon, blah, blah, blah. Yep. He wasn't good enough. Well, you got to be better then. Yeah. Is that so, possible? So Sean Desai is going to have a really awesome first three or four months as defensive coordinator for the Eagles. And when I say three or four months, I mean like now because yeah. he's not Jonathan Gannon and he's Sean Desai and everybody loves yeah. him. And, oh, he had a great year in Chicago, even if the Bears stunk. But when September and October roll, roll along, he's probably going to get um, Jonathan Gannon treatment, if not yep. worse. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's, he's sort of walking into a buzzsaw in that regard. But it's hard to, God, sorry, Jeff. I, I was just, I, I, you know, I don't know. Other than CJ, where it still boggles my mind that the Eagles couldn't, didn't want to match that. Um, I, you know, letting a lot of these guys go and bringing the right guys back. I think, I think they've done 
the right things as far as making the right moves. I mean, this was a good defense last year, no doubt, but it wasn't the Legion of Boom. You know, Seattle, they made sure they brought back Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas and Bobby Wagner. Uh, I think with what you saw last year, you probably maxed out on some of the guys who, who went out and walked in free agency, and, and that's that happens. Is Fletcher Cox a $10 million player, or was he a $10 million player because the Eagles were losing Javon Hargrave and they couldn't afford to lose both? Probably a little bit of both. I mean, I, uh, he, if he's going to – I imagine he's still going to start for this team um, and play at least 60% of the snaps, and he's going to play – he's still a good – what do you have? How many sacks did he have last year? Seven. 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 I mean, go look at the number of defensive tackles who averaged seven sacks in the league. I bet you they're making around $10 million or more. I know he's yeah. a little older, uh, and there are times where he, he disappears a little bit, but, you know, uh, go go try to live life without – Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you brought up a another good point a little bit earlier when we were talking about Edmonds and, you know, maybe some of the things that were limiting his value. So many teams played the Dan, you know, Bangio defense. At what yeah. point is there a tipping point, Jeff? I've, I've been talking about this. We saw it. You just mentioned Legion of Boom, cover three. We saw it with cover two. Everybody's a copycat. Oh, yep. let's play. Let's play Tony Dungy's defense. Then there's that tipping point. People see it too much. It becomes too easy, easy to deal with. I think we're at that tipping point with the Pangio defense. Even Bick said it himself when he went to Miami. He's like, too many people are playing this damn defense. I gotta, yeah. I gotta shift some things up. Should the Eagles be ahead of that curve? Well, the one thing is that not, the, the the Fangio defense is different for different – like Fangio uh, – Gannon, as you know, John, didn't run everything that Vic no, did. It's sort of like – right, modified. And yeah. Sean will have his own concepts as well that he'll bring in. I mean, I think, think the big counter thing is is when you run this style of too high defense and quarters concepts and you leave yourself vulnerable at the edges and up the middle against the run. So now you're sort of inviting this counterculture of teams that want to start running the ball again or maybe getting bigger on the running backs or maybe start throwing to the running backs a little more. It seems to be um, not as much as it was 10 years ago when you had your your Brian Westbrooks of the world. You, you still have a couple of guys who catch. It, it just seems like more running backs now catch the ball on dump-offs than they do on yeah. actual like Texas routes or slot routes or things like that. You know, there aren't that many uh, – uh, McCaffrey's in the league anymore. They're just guys who catch a lot of dump offs. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if you start to see a little uprise in, in that again, an uptick in that of guys catching the ball around the edges. Cause that's really the areas where the Fangio scheme sort of leaves unaccounted intentionally because they kind of want you to do that nickel and dime down the, down the field. But teams are getting really good at nickel. The Eagles were one of the best and Kansas city was one of the best at nickel and diming the ball down the field. They used to be, you can't do that without turning the ball over. Well, yeah. a lot of teams are proving that they can do that without turning the ball over. Yeah. All right, Jeff, I need an inside the birds crystal ball view from you for a specific Eagle position. We've seen Howie this off season, reach out for some guys who've had injury issues as in like missed three seasons of his career injury <laughs> issues, which brings the cost of doing business down. But you hope that, hey, healthy, if he ever gets a take out there, he can get back to the level that he was drafted at or once was a player. Who's that wide receiver? Because we all know the Eagles have their two superstar wide receivers. They're both great last year. 
greatest pairing in the history of the Eagles. But you're one turned ankle away from Quez Watkins being your wide receiver too again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watch Zach Passel go out the door. There's a depth issue at wide receiver right now. Is there that guy, since how he's in that mode of getting guys inexpensively, who's been a injury issue somewhere else and is actually uh, going to be able to pass the medicals and get on the field? And yes, look at how he found in the discount bin. Is there a wide receiver out there that can uh, interest the Eagles at this stage? It's funny you bring that up. That's the one position where Howie has tried in the past to to, uh, to find the reclamation projects, and it's only hurt. I mean, going all the way back to Steve Smith from the Giants. And so it's almost Ooh. like that's the one position you don't want the injury history at. Um, who I, You know, I would have jumped on Isaiah McKenzie from the Bills when they released him. Now, I don't think he has an injury history, but that's a good thing. <laughs> That's a good thing. But I, I do think that they could use a little bit more of a traditional slot receiver. I never thought Quez Watkins was a slot. I think he's an outside receiver yep. who you could have used outside, and they did at times, and then moved a guy like Devontae or A.J. Brown into the slot, which they had done at times. But they also tried to force feed him as a slot receiver, and I just don't see it there. And by the way, Aguilar is somebody I really would have considered bringing back at, at a one-year deal yeah. now to be a back. slot receiver. Just I know yeah. he's not. But yeah. but th- that's the type of receiver I think that they're they're sort of missing someone who gives you a little bit more of a of a short area quickness than maybe Zach Pascal did and I like Zach Pascal I would have brought him back but um but someone who gives you a little bit more of that receiving threat around the middle but is purely a slot guy and then you don't have to to put him outside so that you can yeah. draft that guy jody there's probably a million of them still mckenzie is still i think McKenzie's all right but I'll, I'll go here again i think i did mckenzie signed with some oh did he i'm sorry okay. i think i think it was indy but i'll, I'll Ooh, isaiah it. mckenzie yeah 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 Colts. um okay. but let, let me put this caveat out there because uh get a lot of this guys on the stream calls to the wip whatever Oh, the Eagles will draft one. Uh, it's not a problem because there you go to draft one. I know. Not they the first and second picks. round, but the Eagles <laughs> going to draft one. They got a third round pick, yep. and then they got two seventh round picks. So that's only three picks after the second round. They need an extra wide receiver. They could use another safety. They could use a backup cornerback. They could use offensive line depth. They need a developmental quarterback. There's only three picks, and two of them are in the seventh round. So oh, how yeah. are they going to fill all these needs in the draft? Well, they could possibly a trade down. Yeah, uh, they're we'll going to trade. He's going to trade down. Yeah, the only he's thing gonna, is, I, th- I think yeah. it might be easier for them to trade down from thirty than ten. Only because oh, yeah. all the all the quarterbacks are done right at at eight or nine. Then who are you trading up to ten for? Yeah. So they may have trouble finding buyers. But at thirty, maybe somebody wants to move to the back end of the first round to get that fifth year option on like a, on a pass rusher. Or or an offensive lineman. We'll see. Or I, I can't. I don't think there'll be any quarterbacks at that point that someone wants. Depends. To Maybe Hooker. Hooker. Yeah. But he might go. You know, he might go earlier. All over the map. Yeah. You know, his age might be an issue more so than yeah. just the ACL. But um. But yeah, you want to get that fifth option. That that your your option that would help. But you're right, Jody. I don't know. You know, uh, there's always the trade market. Although I don't think you're really making a big deal for a slot receiver. There's always, don't forget, the, one of the best times to get guys is coming out of training camp, the waiver wire. And there's like a million slot yeah. receivers every we year. We still got June 1st, too. Uh, yeah. Still got June, June 1st. first. Yeah. Um, 
at Jeff Mosher NFL. Make sure you follow Jeff on Twitter. Does a tremendous job with Adam Kaplan inside the birds, inside the birds.com. Listen to the podcast. Um, I, I, you know, to go down this slot, I'm going to give you outside the box thinking. Grant Calcaterra. Let's go big. Let's make Grant Calcaterra a glorified slot receiver. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it like that. <laughs> I mean, that's what he does. He's got natural receiving ability. He couldn't block you and me. Yeah. So why not take advantage of what he does well? I mean, I, it sort of depends on what you – I guess that wouldn't be too different than a Zach Pascal, who is a big, bigger wide receiver. I'm, I'm sure the weight difference between Pascal and, and Calcaterra probably isn't all that um, all that big. And maybe so, he becomes a good blocker from that perspective. Right. I know Minnesota is going to do that this year. Where they signed that kid from Baltimore who's a really good blocker, mm-hmm. um, Josh, and they're going to use TJ Hawkinson in the slot. Right. That's good. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I suppose so. And then, then, you know, you do have Britton Covey, by the way, who, who's got the traits to be a slot receiver. Now, you know, can he actually handle it? Can he hold up? Who knows? But it'll, it will be year two for him. And that was where if you were going to get him on offense, that's where he most projects, obviously. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anything going to happen in these uh, owner meetings this week that are going to that's going to come out of left field and rule changes or different things. I know the whole Amazon getting Thursday night flex scheduling capabilities is going to turn into a huge story if they pass it this week. But other than that, uh, anything you're speculating on, want to take a shot at? Yeah, this is going to happen and nobody's going to see it coming. There's going to be a lot of executives out with their families, out having drinks. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I think is going to happen at the owners' meeting. There's going to be a lot of uh, eating, <laughs> eating and drinking at the Biltmore, uh, and then a little bit of football conversation will be mixed in in between yeah. there. Roger Goodell's uh, new sixty-five million dollar contract going to get yeah. tabled. I don't think it's going to get passed, but it will eventually. Uh, it yeah. probably will. Yeah. Yeah, Goodell's going nowhere fast. Uh, the guy makes too much money for his owners. Whether you like him or dislike him, the guy's a good businessman, so he's going to get a contract extension. Yes, Most great stuff. Always a pleasure when you jump aboard with us. We do like the backdrop. Feel free to use it again next time when we get you up in about two or three weeks. Thanks for jumping in with us today. You got it, fellas. Have a great one. Thanks, that man. is Jeff Mosher from InsideTheBirds.com, the Inside the Birds podcast with his buddy Adam Kaplan uh, jumping in with us here on Birds 365. All right, coming back. We've got a couple minutes yet to go. The Monday edition of Birds 365. Stay here. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. 
count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Is the best vacation one that you find or one you get lost in? One that takes you to new heights or reminds you to go with the flow? To get your feet wet and your wheels spinning? One that lets you find your own rhythm or get carried away? Find the best of yourself. Get lost in the woods. Plan your stay in the Wildwoods today. Plan your day with confidence. Keep the umbrellas on hand. With action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. Action news and AccuWeather. The team you trust. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. Here with you on Bird 365 coming down the home stretch. Uh, we'll certainly be back in 22 hours. Don't know with any new information if the Eagles will sign anybody over the next 20. I bet not. But uh, Jeff kind of poo pooed the, the uh, owners' meetings because he's been out there. He's covered them. You've covered them before. It is uh, kind of a, um, a entertainment excursion for the owners as well. They're very good at mixing business and play. Yeah, it's never in a bad spot. Yeah, uh, they, they don't have that, that one at a Holiday Inn, do they? No, they uh, no. don't it's need funny, to get any smarter or richer works. than they already are. Yeah. But speaking of owners getting richer, and I just threw this in there at the end with Mosher, and you and I didn't even discuss it. There's a chance that maybe not today, but over the next couple of days, the NFL is going to come out with an official announcement that the owners have ratified flexing games on Thursday nights. We already have flex on Sunday night where they get to cherry pick better games because it is primetime Sunday night, bigger than Monday night. And NBC pays a premium to be able to do that, that they're going to give the same accord to Amazon on the flex Thursday night game. Yeah, I don't I don't know how that works logistically. They just don't care. I mean, because there are think about the Eagles fans. Now, Eagles fans are certainly in the top two or three when it comes to traveling uh, yep. as a fan base, you gotta, you, you know, you, you, you gotta put those hotels and those flights in advance. And then all of a sudden you're going to tell, Oh, by the way, the games, uh, 
moving to Thursday or, right. or, ten, or ten days ahead of time. They're going to tell yeah. you. They're not going to yeah. give you a whole hell of a lot of advance notice. Yeah. Ten days ahead of time, they're going to go. All that Sunday game you were planning on going to now got moved up to Thursday night. Yeah, but bottom line, they don't care. They just want to make their TV partners happy, and it's. I always say. And I've told you this, Jody, when people ask me the most important people in sports, I never say Roger Goodell or or Adam Silver or commissioners in any sports. They're very powerful. But I always say, tell me, tell me who's running NBC sports, who's running Fox sports, who's running Amazon's uh, sports. Uh, uh, those are the most powerful people in sports. They They are. They spend the most money. They're the golden goose. And what they want they get but somebody's got to be on the other end going yeah okay we'll take it and you're right 99 out of 100 times the uh, sporting person the commissioner in charge whoever's doing the negotiating says yeah give us the more money every once in a while somebody stands up Mm. and goes yeah no we can't why roger's getting his extension because he doesn't say no no he doesn't amazon Amazon says, oh, yeah, we're going to pay you billions of dollars, but uh, can we have a Black Friday game so we can package it with uh, with our service? Oh, yeah, sure. Let, let's do Black Friday football. That's coming as well. They get what they want, Jody. They get they what do. they want. And uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening. And I'll go ahead and hit that like button on the way out if you're leaving us coming up in three minutes when we wrap the show. Um I get Amazon, so it doesn't matter to me. My wife pays for Amazon Prime because we get so much stuff delivered to the house. Just the free shipping pays for itself. So yeah, it does. We, I never even made that thing. decision on whether we should There's get not... Amazon streaming or not. It was already made for me. My, my wife had already done that, so I'm good with this. But here's my wine, and it's a fine wine at that. And yes, I'm a little bit of a nitpicker. The whole thing about streaming is... It takes time. You got to go to the stream and then you got to punch up the channel and you got to wait for it to click in. When I'm working on a Thursday night and I'm on the air and I'm watching a a Major League Baseball playoff game and I'm watching Thursday night football at the same time and I got to wait that 20 seconds to get in and out of the streaming channel. It annoys the snot out of me, McMullen. You can't toggle back and forth, yeah. No, you can't just hit last button, hit last channel, hit last channel. Boom, and it changes like that on uh, regular cable. But when you're doing the streaming mode, it takes some time. Yeah. It it hasn't gotten to the point. People have been predicting streaming would surpass linear TV for years and years and years. I used to do a lot of reporting on television sports, and they've been predicting this forever. It hasn't happened yet. It's getting closer. This it's is getting closer. Step. Amazon is 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 changed the game by getting involved. People are hoping Netflix gets involved next with live sports. And at some point it'll probably happen. But right now the only TV ratings proof draw in all of 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 television, forget about just sports has been the NFL. Mm-hmm. Now there's certain things like the tournaments going on now. The tournament is still extremely popular, but college basketball as a whole is just caverned out. Everything, NBA playoffs, very popular, but not regular season. Major League Baseball playoffs, regular season games, terrible. Uh, Playoffs do well. Um, So 
the NFL keeps going up and up and up because it's the only thing people can count on at television. It'll, it'll be very interesting along those lines as to see how the weekend goes for college basketball because there are a whole bunch of peoples whose brackets are just stone cold dead in the water. Oh, who yeah. don't have these four teams in the final four who well, tune in to root for their that. brackets and their yeah. brackets are done. Good so I'm, if you, I'm you're, you're a genius. If you had this, yeah, you're a genius. Big week, by the way, not only that baseball gearing up. Uh, also, I can't believe I haven't said this happy WrestleMania week for True. all those who observe as well. Yeah, yeah, no, you and I will be tuned to that. And that's another streaming service that you got to deal yeah. with getting in and out of. I love Peacock. I'll be watching, but I hate the fact that it takes time to go from a real sporting event to something. All right, we, we've done too much whining. Uh, but we will come back and we will whine again. It will be our pleasure. John McMullen, I'm returning in 22 hours. How about you? I'm planning on it. Let's do it. Mac and Mac back here on Birds 365 tomorrow in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.